Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Church, listen. It's been said, your experience of today's message is shaped by your thinking process. Your mind is working and it's going to select concepts and ideas for processing as I teach. And another person reminded me that we all live in a world between our ears. Our quality of life depends on the way we manage our thoughts. Well, now that I've got your attention, I want to talk to you today about your thought life. What do you think about most of the time? What comes in? And again, if we are to live between our ears, what is happening in our mind? You see, Henry Ford once said, and I quote, thinking is the hardest work there Thinking is the hardest work. There is which why so few engage in it. End quote. An article from Reader's Digest quoted Mark Twain by saying, What a wee little part of a person's life are his acts and his words. His real life is led in his head and is known to none but himself. All day long, the mill of his brain is grinding and his thoughts not those other things are his history. What? Here's what Mark Twain said. He's saying that our thought life, come on somebody, forms the basis for and is largely revealed in our actions, in our words. This is exact, I'm like, wow, this is it. Now, think about this. See what I did there? His comments would correctly affirm that what you and I think about, what our thought life is, composes a major part of who we really are. What you think about is going to eventually come out in actions. Jonathan Edwards puts it like this, the ideas and images in men's minds are the invisible powers that constantly govern them. So according to Jonathan Edwards, it's a vital part for us to take every thought captive unto the Lord and to learn, everybody say learn, because that's what we have to do. We need to learn to govern our thought life because as believers, we should, we should now think biblically in every aspect of our lives. That, my friends, is going to be the hardest thing for you and I to grasp today. Wait a minute, wait a minute, what are you saying? Everything we need to take in our mind should be filtered through the Word of God biblically. It's going to determine how we act. It's going to determine. Now, again, here, here's what I want you to do. I want you to put on your thinking caps. You're going to see a lot of these, these puns, but no pun intended. Put on your thinking cap. The one thing we can all agree on, you ready, is that all sin begins in our thoughts. If you're taking note, the Bible often calls it our heart, but it's basically where it starts here. All sin, all sin starts 
in our thought life. It's the most private thing that anyone could ever... Nobody knows your thought life. Oh, they will determine your thought life once you begin to act out what you're thinking. But you've got to remember what you think is going to be how you behave. What you think about often, often. See, Jesus taught us, you guys ready? In Mark chapter 7, verses 20 and 23, notice what he says. He says, um, and Jesus said, what comes out of a man uh, that defiles a man. From within, out of his heart of men, proceed what? Evil thoughts, adulteries, fornication, murders, thefts, covetousness, wicked deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within a man and defile a man. Think about what Jesus just said. Think about what he said. He's basically saying that no one commits all of these outward sins without first committing them in their mind. Let that sink in for a minute, church. Let that sink in. If you and I are serious about growing in godliness, growing closer with the Lord, then we must battle over sin on the thought level. On the thought level. What do you think about? What goes into your brain? How do you process these things? That's important. That's important. Because as you and I continue our verse-by-verse study, Paul will contend with us, if you will, in verses 8 and 9 to do this, to develop a godly thought life. If we can be personable and we can be vulnerable and we can be insecure, a lot of our, a lot of the issues we have in our life is because what we think and how we think. If you dwell a lot with what is not happening in your life, you can end up being depressed. If you think about what's not, and, and, and one of the biggest things, one of the biggest culture is ideals, ideals. Hey, by this time I thought we were going to do this. By this time I thought I was going to have a great house. By this time I was, and when you don't have that, what happens, you begin to internalize that, your thoughts, and they constantly, and all of a sudden, your head slouches, your back, and you're just, how you doing? Good, I guess. And it and it's and it's all based on I mean, think about what he's saying. I think for you and I, if you're taking note, jot this down, if we if we apply verse eight, we have to apply verse eight, let me say it this way, so that we have healthy relationships in our lives. You see, that's what Paul was teaching the Christians in Philippi. You have to apply these. Now I want you to labor with me for just a moment, and let's go back to verses 3. And I want you to notice what Paul writes. Philippians two, two, Philippians 4, 2 and 3 says this. Remember, he's writing. He says, I implore Eudia, I implore Syntyche to be of the same, what? Mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel. And Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. What's he doing? He says, I'm imploring these two gals to go back and, and, and be careful what they're thinking because what they're thinking could be leading to division. Whoa, whoa. And then he goes on to verse 5 and he says, 
Oh, by the way, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Here's what we learned last week. If you recall, we learned that conflict can occur even between the most faithful Christians. I thought you loved the Lord, Nick. Well, why are we, why are we having... Well, because we, we're human and we're going to have conflicts. But what Paul teaches us, and he taught us last week, is to stop nurturing resentment. And think about what's honorable, what's just, what's pure, what's pleasing, what's commendable, excellent, and praiseworthy in the other person. I both like and don't like that person who is just super positive. You understand? Yeah, you go, what do you mean you like and don't like him? Man, I... I like the guy who just finds the good in everything. Everything. And I don't like him either because I'm like, oh, I don't like he's always finding the good in everything. Why can't you just be negative for a minute? That's, come on, just me? That's how we are. That's how we are. We're, we, but, but man, when, when, if, if I can be just like that, to find things that are honorable in someone, to find things that are just, to find things that are pure, commendable. Look for those things. Why? Ready? Uh, this is gonna this is gonna shock you. Okay, uh, you're gonna be shocked at Calvary Chapel this morning. None of us are perfect. Yeah, exactly. Oh, <gasps> what? I'm never coming back to this church again. We're not perfect, but if you and I could have the mind of Christ. Uh, think about this for just a moment. What do you think the Lord thinks about you? Well, you know that Jeremiah. Oh, uh, he's a work. He's a work. Michael, could you? <sighs> he loves you, and he and he finds the good in you. And when you walk, Jeremiah, and you stumble, the Lord goes, "Come on, come on," and he picks you up. He says, "Come on, I know." I know. And Lord, I'm sorry I messed up again. He goes, I know. That's why I died. Come on, we're going to walk together. And he picks us up. But I wonder why you and I don't do that with people. I wonder why we... Ready? Alright. Judgment gun's right here, man. That's not even my notes. That was just free for you right there. That was just free. Now last week, church, we didn't get to cover verses 8 and 9. But we learned a lot from Paul. I want to bring you up to speed so you understand as he, we go into uh, 8 and 9. If you recall last week, we, we all needed some words of encouragement. And, and even more so this week. Even more this week. We need to stay encouraged in church. Can I tell you this? The Lord is on his way. The Lord is on his way. I was talking to Nick. Nick... Um, Nick's a good friend of mine in Amarillo. I can't get him to move to Lubbock. I've tried, um, but maybe God will move him. But I talked to Nick this morning. He was talking about, he was talking about like we don't, we're in the season where we don't know how much time we have. Time's not on our side. The Lord's on his way. And, 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 and again, this is, I mean, it's funny because this is exactly what it says. And in the Amplified Bible, in Luke chapter 21, 28, listen to this. It says, now when these things begin to occur, stand tall and lift up your heads in joy. Amen. Why? Because suffering ends 
as your redemption is drawing near. Come on, somebody. Think, Think about that. The Lord is coming back, and one day, one day, you're going to be doing your thing, whatever it is, whatever you do, you'll be doing your thing, the grocery store, whatever it might be. And all of a sudden, you're going to hear this trumpet from within. This, this spirit, this trumpet could happen right now. And man, this is it. Your redemption draweth near. If you are a fully devoted follower of God, heaven is yours. It's done. It's over. It's finished. That's yours. You don't have to worry about that. But what you should be worrying about today is how to glorify God in your life in your world, and who I need to be reaching, and who, who needs ministering to, yes. and who can I encourage. These are the things that we need to be thinking about. Yeah. And then last week, if you recall, we also learned how, you ready? This is so good. How do we handle conflict with people? You ready? With grace and mercy. Yes. With grace and mercy. Paul writes... Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Guys, Philippians 4 or 5 we talked about was, is, is all about a mindset you and I should have. We are encouraged to rejoice in the Lord always. Now, i got a question. You ready? You ready? I'm going to heap on some guilt. Now, some of you might be sincere, but how many of you got up and realized it was 32 degrees outside with the wind chill, it was 22, and said, praise God, it's amazing. You? Yeah. How says you have to go to work tomorrow, that's why. He's like, ah! How many of you got up this morning and said, seriously, I I think I complained more times on my phone this morning than any other time. I hate winter. I can't believe that's cold. I don't like the cold, but I'm going, the Bible says rejoice in the Lord always. Can we rejoice? Amen. I rejoice. It's cold. But I got a jacket. I got a jacket. Do you have a jacket? It won't won't stay that way. It won't stay that way. It's going to warm up. But here's why. We are to rejoice in the Lord, and and, and we're we're encouraged to rejoice in the Lord always. We can only do that walking with the Lord, then those who look at our lives can see his influence and his desires. You see, that's the only reason you're on earth, is so that people can see Jesus in you. That's the only reason. See, his desires, his influences, that's all. That's all. You go, well, that doesn't seem fair. No, no, no. God has his very best for you. He has his very best for your marriage. He has his very best for you. But you as an individual, your purpose is to just glorify God in all that you do. If you're going to be a doctor, glorify God in being a doctor. If you're going to be in business, glorify God in being business. If you're called to be a pastor, you're going to glorify God in being a pastor. Wait a minute, how could you not glorify God in being a pastor? You, there's, there's, there's pastors who don't. And so, we need to do that. We... Remember last week, church? We as believers are not to be seen as eagerly eagerly angered or even foolish. Come on, somebody. Just me? I, I, I am astounded, and I know this is going to blow your mind. I'm astounded sometimes how angry I can get, how fast I can get angry. I'm astounded. Man. 
It's a good thing I have my wife to keep me in check. But I can. We'll go. We'll go to eat, and and she has to look at me and give me that look. Anybody know what that look is? Anybody know? Thank you, Mike. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'll be like, look, we've been waiting here, and she could see. It's like, and she's like, stop it. They're gonna spit on our food. Stop it. What's that fake smile? You know, it's like you're going to... But I don't want to be that. I want to be moved by the Holy Spirit because, because he says we need to be reasonable. That's the word with gentle. Be reasonable. And then we, we finished our study with great words of encouragement. Do you remember what they were? He says, let me encourage you this way. He says, don't worry. Be holy. Be holy. He says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds to Christ Jesus. So, so I want you to think about this. I want you to connect the two. Why? Because he's telling us that we can have, you ready? The peace of God. Yes. You can have the peace of God. You go, well, how so? How can I? Well, first of all, don't worry. Don't worry. Some of you have the gift of worry. Regift that gift. Give it up. Don't worry. Ooh. And you know, in your mind, that's what's coming on. That song, don't worry, be happy. It's, it's like, yeah. But no, Paul says, don't worry. He says, you know what you should do? He says, pray. You go, really? I have to pray? I always pray. No, no, no. The word pray is worship. So the next time you start to worry, begin to worship. Worship. How do we worship? Well, do I have to get the band up there? No, 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 no. Worship. You can sing. You can worship, you can pray, you can read your Bible. All of that is worship unto God. Yes. But that's the first thing we should do. Now, I, I want you to be honest with me. How many of you, that's the first thing you do when you worry? Say, thank you. You're just like me. That's not the first thing I do. You see, I looked in the mirror yesterday, and I saw all of this white hair, and I said, where did that come from? <laughs> where did it, I mean, and, it, and a lot of it's worry. I worried over things that were not, anyway, I should worship. I should worship. And then, and then pray with thanksgiving. Begin to thank God for all that he's done in your life. Yes. Begin to thank him for the cold weather. Begin to thank, they'll kill mosquitoes. Amen. <laughs> the flies, thank you. I was, hey, you can't join my the sermon here, bro. Come on. I have it. The flies, all the, I mean, just, and, and, and here's the good news. You ready? In four to six months, it'll be warm again. Yeah, you're like, okay. I can't wait that long. See, you're already, you're already stinking thinking. Come on, stop. And then he says, come on, ask in humility. Ask in humility. Now, I want you to, I want you to tie this in because remember, this is going to guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This is what it's going to do. But here's what it's going to do. It's going to, what? The peace of God. The peace of God is going to what? It's going it's to surpass all understanding. You hear me? I don't understand it. Exactly. Why well, I should be worried right now. I'm just, I'm at peace. I'm at peace. That's what we looked at last week. Now, this week, we're continuing in our study in Philippians, and I want to share with you that there's joy in a godly thought life. Now, I got to give you a disclaimer. I got to give you a disclaimer. Why? Because I want you to write this down somewhere in your Bible. Or you're taking notes. Ready? 
Paul is not teaching, Paul is not teaching the power of positive thinking. He's not teaching. All right, y'all need to have the power. You need to look in the mirror and say, you're so good looking. And, and you're, you know, and, and he's not, he's not doing that. He's not doing that. Guys, we have to be aware of those who only preach positive thinking. Because the Bible doesn't teach that. As a matter of fact, there would be some. I heard of one lady who went to his, his pastor and he said, Pastor, I'm leaving your church. And he goes, okay, may I ask why? And he goes, well, all you preach is negative. You don't ever preach anything positive. You're not real positive. And he said, well, I'll, I'll grant you that, that sometimes um, it's, it's, we live in such a negative world. But he goes, but the Bible, guys, is not, it's not always positive. It's not always positive. I, I want to. I, I want to. Um, I want to show you a story that, if you were put yourself in that place, you'd go, "Oh, I'm not sure if I would." Why? Well, again, think about this. If if you have a pastor or preacher or priest or anyone that just always preaches positive thinking, I think it'd be harmful to those in the body of Christ. Let me tell you why. If we come up and we say, "Hey, man, listen." You guys are great. You're awesome. You're wonderful. And you should be this. And you should do this. And you should do this. And you should be. And look at your problems and tell them, smack it in the face and all of this stuff. And, and here's the thing. If you give your life to the Lord, guess what's going to happen? You're going to, you're going to just, you're going to have everything in your heart's desire. You're going to have everything you want. Okay. You're going to get the girl. You're going to get the car. You're going to have the house. This is what God does. Amen. And, and everybody goes, Amen. And when it doesn't happen, then they back off and they go, well, I guess God, huh. And they walk away from God. So I'm going to tell you a story from the Bible, but I want you to put yourself in that story. You are all following Jesus. Okay, you got your sandals on, you see this rabbi, he's claiming to be the son of God. And so in John chapter 6, I want to pick it up in verse 47, Jesus is saying, he says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. Can I get an amen? Because you're there with us. You're there with him. Jesus says, hey, if you believe in me, you have everlasting life. It means you're going to live forever in heaven. And you go, amen. Amen. Isn't that the goal for us, church? We want to be, we want to live forever with, with Jesus in heaven. Now, let me, let, let me let you in on, on something. I don't know if you know. Um, if you're born on this earth, if you're here right now, you're going to live forever. The issue is, where are you going to live? Location, location, location. That's all that matters, right? And you're like, okay, okay. Jesus says, man, listen, listen. If you believe you have everlasting life, he says, I am the bread of life. Now, picture yourself. You're like, wow, this guy is awesome. What a great motivational speaker. You, who is he? He's, he's Yahshua. He's, wow. Your fathers, you remember? They ate the men in the wilderness, but they're dead. Yeah, that's true. People die. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. He says, I'm the living bread which comes down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give him is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. Wait, 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 wait. You, <laughs> you lost me. 
Did Jesus just say you needed to eat my flesh? Okay, so now you're taking a step back. You're going, okay, either this is weird. I wonder if Jesus is cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. I don't know. He just, I mean, do you see what he just said? He said, you have to eat my flesh. He says, says, I'm going to give it for the life. And the Jews, therefore, quarreled among themselves, saying, right, here's, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? We're not cannibals. We're not going to eat his, this is weird. And Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. I bet you could have heard a pin drop. Jesus just said, so we all gathered in a holy huddle. What did you think about what he said? How are we going to eat him? I don't know how we're going to eat him. I'm not drinking his blood. That's weird. What are you doing? Wow. Maybe he's not the son of God. Maybe we messed up. Maybe we didn't. Did we get it right? Look at verse 66. And from that time, many of the disciples went back and walked with him no more. Okay, you go, Ben, there's a point. No, there is a point. I want you to see, and I want you to note the reaction. Look at the next verse. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. John chapter 6, verse 66 says that we gather together, we heard the hard teachings of Jesus, and we said, we're not going to follow him anymore. This is too hard. This is crazy. They walked away. They didn't come back. But I want you to note the term. You go, what's the term? He said, from that time, many of his, what's that word, church? What's that word? Yeah, it wasn't just follow. It wasn't looky-loos. The word disciples where they were wanting to engage in people, and they said, no more, no more. And you go, Pastor, you have a point, I do. This can be seen as a negative comment. This could be seen as a negative story. Wait a minute, wait a minute. We're following Jesus, and then he said this crazy stuff, and I'm like, we're not going to follow him anymore. And so many people come back and say, oh, okay, here's the thing. You know what Jesus should have said? Here's what he should have said. Listen, we're all living in a great culture. Here's what he said. Oh, 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 if, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part. You're not going to have eternal life. And, and everybody goes, oh, did you really mean that, Jesus? And you know what you should have said, Lord? You should have said, it's all right. You really don't have to believe in me. Just be a good person. Smile at your wife every now and then. Bring her some flowers. Um, give to others. Live clean. Oh, and have positive thoughts. That's what we were hoping, and that's what these people might have been hoping. But you know what, Jesus, he looks at the 12, and he says, do you guys want to go away also? Do you guys want to go? So we have to take the Bible at full value for what it's worth. It's not the power of positive thinking, but it is taking control of our thought life so that we can live godly and so that we can walk the right road. 
And that's what we're going to look at today. Right? Let's look at verse 8 together, guys. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Paul says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, and if there's anything praiseworthy, he says, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. Listen, if you're not afraid to take note and write in your Bible, they're the key. there's a couple of things here you want to see in these next uh, couple of verses. The key in this verse is going to be found in 8b. You go, what is it? Circle that word for meditate. Meditate, okay? He says meditate. It means to think logically, uh, to think about something in a detailed and logical manner. To think about, to reason about, to ponder, and reasoning. This is what Paul says. He says, finally, brethren, and he goes through the list. So what's he trying to do? He's trying to encourage you and I in 2023 to have and maintain and develop a godly thought life. A godly thought life. And I think it's so, so important. Why? Well, what's the reason? Because we live out what we think about. We live out what we think. And if we are, and, I, and I'm right there with you, church, if we are constantly negative, we will become depressed, we will become anxious, and we will become negative. Everything will have a negative that's, that's just how it is. That's just how it is. And I also want you to think for just a minute, because I was so convicted, there was a season back in 2018, 2019, I found myself, to be honest with you, really depressed. And I really felt depressed in the way that I couldn't pull myself out. I didn't know what was going on. Normally, I can pull myself up by my own bootstraps, get going, let's go, yee-haw, all those things, but I couldn't this time. And I remember just going to my wife saying, I just don't understand. And, and lovingly, and yet somewhat silly, she goes, what are you listening to? What are you listening to? And at the time in my car, I had serious radio, and it was always on all 80s, 80s, 80s music. And I was listening to what I thought might have been a greater time back in my life, and in comparing that to my life now, that was causing some of the depression. What are you, what are you listening to and thinking about? <clears throat> Let's be honest. Hey, man, I remember the good old days. Were they really that good? <laughs> we have so categorized them. It's like, oh, I remember back in high school. Dude, I hated high school. I don't know why I fooled myself, but I was like, yeah, back in high school, I remember. And, and then now everybody's like, oh, the 80s were great, you know. And here's what blows me about in the 80s. When people say, hey, do you remember Do you remember 20 years ago? And your mind goes to the 80s. It's like that was 40 years ago, and it makes you feel really old. <laughs> You're like, no, it was only 20, right? No, dude, it was, wow, wow. And let me just say this while I have you on the subject. Everybody tries to recreate the 80s, and they'll, they'll dress up like the 80s. And if you were in the 80s, you go, that's not how we dressed. <laughs> Come on. 
there's all this stuff, and we're like, we didn't dress like that. If we had straight legs with, um, listen, we, <laughs> I don't even know why I'm going here. Well, we had, we had three groups. You had the jocks, the hippies, and the stoners. That was at my high school. And you joined one of them. We actually, had, anyway, I don't know where I'm going this. We had a place called Smoker's, Smoker's Wall. That's where, uh, anyway. Where am I? Where am I? I gotta get back here. I just. If we're constantly negative, if we're constantly negative, guys, we'll become depressed. And I, and I was listening to the 80s. I got way off on there. That's a rabbit trail. Bang. Come on back. Why? Because wrong thinking leads to wrong feeling. And before long, our heart and our mind are pulled apart and we're strangled by worry. What I want you to do today is realize that the thoughts are real and they're powerful. Even though they cannot be seen, weighed, or measured. The Word of God declares to us that we need to bring every thought into captivity, into the obedience of Christ. Into the obedience of Christ. Think about this. You've probably heard it a thousand times, but here's the thing. Sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. Where does it all start, church? It starts with what we think and how we think. I like what the prophet Isaiah writes in Isaiah 26.3. He says, you will be kept in perfect peace all who trust in you. All whose thoughts are fixed on you. All whose thoughts are fixed on you. Hey, if you're here today and you're struggling with peace, just remember, peace involves both the heart and the mind. What you allow in your ear gate, what you think about, what rattles around. God made our minds so powerful We have to be careful what we put in our ear gate, in our eye gate, because it stays in there. It's like little compartments. Okay? Men, men, can I talk to you men for a minute? Well, women too, but men. Men, pornography? Pornography? When you look at it for a minute, you look for a minute, it goes in there, it's filed away, and you can always pull it up at a moment's notice. Until you cleanse your mind through the Word of God and continue to cleanse your mind. But it's there. It's there. It's there. Social media doesn't help us. Social media doesn't help you. It triggers you. So we have to develop a godly thought life. You will be kept in perfect peace. All who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. So meditate, think logically. But the second word is found in verse 9. You ready? It says do. These do. It's the verb tense, so we have action. The things you've learned and received and heard and you saw on me, he says, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. I believe we're commanded, you ready, to think godly and then do those things we think about. We're commanded to think godly. Think godly. So let's break it down for the sake of our study. What does Paul say? Finally, finally. What does that mean? He's getting close to ending the letter. Finally, 
Okay? And basically what it means is he's tying up loose ends. Finally, brethren. You guys remember what he said? His family. He's talking to family. He goes, guys, listen, listen. Finally. And again, he says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, Whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good of a good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Meditate on these things. Okay, so he's telling us that we need to think logically because we're going to have to do some of these things. You go, what is it? Number one, he says, whatever things are true. Whatever things are true. The word is sincere, it's true. This is what he says. He says, think on truth. Church, that's the first thing you and I, we have to do, is we need to think on what's true. What's true. And the reason why we need to think on what's true is because Satan is a liar and he's the father of lies. And you have to ask yourself in every circumstances you find yourself in, what's true? Is this really true? What's the truth in this? I am so creative in my brain, I can make truth up that's not true. Come on, somebody. I'm just being vulnerable here. It was Dr. Walter Cavert that said this. He reported on a survey, a survey on worry that indicated, you ready? Check this out. Only 8% are, are the things that people worried about were legitimate matters of concern. Only 8%. The other 92% were either imaginary, never happened, or actually involved matters over which people had no control anyway. You ready? Let me ask you a question. Okay, you don't have to answer. What did you worry about this morning that you had no control over? What did you worry? Oh, I don't know if the sun's going to come up. Then <laughs> you look worried. I know. I didn't worry over that. I didn't worry over that. It, I have no. Do you have any control over that? I don't have any control over the sun. I have any control over the sun. Paul understood this because in Second Corinthians, jot this down, chapter eleven, verse three says this. There it is. He says, "But I fear." lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, you ready? So your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. He understood that. Where do you think the enemy attacks? Your mind. The Bible calls them fiery darts. They come in. It's not a sin to you when you have, you have these thoughts. It's not a sin when you entertain these thoughts and began to met, ooh, come on, come on. Jesus told us, if you look upon a woman with lust in your heart, it's the same as doing it. It's the same as doing it. Why? Because all of a sudden you see a girl, and you go, oh, she's pretty. Oh. And all the other words that the, the young people use these days. And you start to think about it, and think about it, and think about it, and think about it. And then it moves into your heart. And so that's what we have to be. He goes, man, that's... He says, think on things that are true. I'm not saying it's easy, church. But you want to know, you want to know what's truth? To look at a sister and look at her as your sister. 
That's my sister. That's my brother. That's my brother. You want to be careful that, that you're, the 92% of your thought life isn't about things that are imaginary or things that never happened. You know what kills me more than anything? You guys need to jot this down. You ready? You want to know what kills me? Pastor, can I talk to you? What did I do? What did I say? I go every time. You know, and, and, and listen, if you want to talk to me, give me a context. Hey, I want to, I want to visit you about this and this. But, but what happens is my brain starts to 92%. And then they come in and go, you know what? You're doing a great job. Thank you so much. You're just awesome. Love you. <sighs> really? <sighs> I haven't ate or slept for five days. Thought you hated me. You know, we do that. I'm using that being silly, but we, we do that. So be careful, guys. Take that. We're, think on what things are true. Amen. You ready? This is the only thing I know that's true. Amen. This is the only thing I know that's true. This is the only thing I know that's going to sustain me. He goes, well, think on things that are noble. Noble. You need to do that. Okay? It, it means it, it's from the old English, seemingly, namely, in action, literally dignified or honest. The word means that, that it inspires reverence or awe. You need to think about those things. Dignified of worthy of respect. Yes. And there are many things that are not respectable, and Christians should not think on these things. I like what Warren Wearsby writes, and he says, quote, This does not mean we hide our heads in the sand or avoid unpleasant and, and displeasing, but it does mean we are not to focus our attention on dishonorable things, and permit them to control our thoughts. Wow. How's your thought life? Man, I want to think on things that are just that are that are respectable, that are dignified, that are worthy of respect. Worthy of respect. He says, he says, by the way, meditate, think logically on just, on the just. Notice what he says. He says, that means to be right, to be innocent, to be holy, to be righteous. To think about what is right means to think on the holy nature of God, especially revealed in the person of Jesus Christ, to model our behavior after him. Can I tell you, one of the hardest things in the hardest times it is for me to sin is when I'm worshiping and thinking about the holy righteousness of God. I need to think on, on the right and the innocent and the righteousness of God. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, okay, I'm thinking about that. Whatever things are noble, whatever things are just. Now, here's another one. Whatever things are pure, whatever things are pure. So I need to think on things that are pure. What does that mean? It means innocent. It means modest. It means perfect. It means chaste, it means clean, it means pure. See, the word here actually refers to a ceremonial purity, but also to a moral purity that is pictured by the ceremonial. It especially means keeping our bodies undefiled by abstaining from sexual sins. When we delve into our thought life full of sexual immorality, we are more likely to commit those sins. 
What do we think about? We need to think of things that are pure. Listen, music. Music is neither saved or unsaved. Music is neither saved or unsaved. But there is a a beautiful redeeming value to listen to music that uplifts and and, and cleanses your soul than it is to listen to other stuff that that maybe triggers some things that you used to do or the song that was coming out when you were doing this and such and such and such. But but I'm just I, I I want you to know, listen. Maybe today, maybe today you have a divided heart with God. Maybe today you're like, I'm not sure. Go back and do those things. Listen to that music that you used to listen to that Maranatha music. However you were whatever it might be, but that's going to that's going to bring back those okay. That's going to help you. And then and then guys, think on things that are that are pure. I like what Job says. Job says, I've made a covenant with my eyes not to look at lust for a woman. I made a covenant. I made an agreement with me. My eyes not to do that. I think as believers, we need to respect each other enough to go, okay. Jesus warned us, let me give you the text, and I said it earlier. In Matthew 5.28, But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman in lust for her has already committed adultery in his heart. Do you know why the word committed adultery is so long? Committed adultery, you know why? Because it starts here, and, and we think about it. it. And you think, and then and here's what you do. You start to play out those actions in your mind. Oh, well, if I did this, then she might do that. And if I kind of flirty, flirty, and I do this, and then, oh, and then in your mind, you've created a scenario of what's, what, what could go down. And it's only, a, it's, a, it's only a few short steps to go, I created that scenario. So we have to, church, we have to take every thought captive unto the Lord and, and think. Do you guys remember, those of you that were here back in our Ephesians study? Do you remember what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 5? He says, but fornication and uncleanness and covetousness, let, let it not even be named among you as fitting for saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which is not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, covetous man who is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. What are we thinking about? Joy comes from having a godly life. Why? Because he tells us to meditate, meditate on things that are lovely. Lovely. The word occurs only here, guys, in the New Testament. It means what is pleasing, agreeable, and attractive. At times, we find ourselves attracted to that which is evil. But this word must be, must be taken within the context, meaning that which is both pure and attractive. And Jesus Christ is inherently attractive, and so we should think often of our lovely Savior who gave himself for us on the cross. He says you should think on these logically. Think about those times. Think about things that are, the next one, good report. This comes from the compound word meaning to speak well of something. To speak well. Okay? As Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 13, he says, love believes the best about another person. 
It refuses to believe an evil report about a brother or sister until there's certain evidence to establish it. So if I'm going to meditate on a good report and your name comes up, I want to think what's best. I want to think the good. I want to meditate on that. Come on, church. You look at me like I'm, I'm a two-headed monster. The reason why is because we're so negative. We're bombarded by negativity every day. And if we don't take an action step in my life and in your life, then, then, then we're, we're at the bottom of the barrel being negative all the time. And we try to pull ourselves up and we try to, and it's like, oh, I can. We gotta, we gotta take every thought captive. We gotta put boundaries around these things that are drawing us down. And I want to think of good rapport. I don't know about you, but we're going to spend eternity with each other. Let's try to find some good in here. Right? Can you imagine in heaven? Oh, Lisette lives over there. Don't go by her house. I knew her on earth. Oh, 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 and Nick? Man, he's always singing. And he's always praying. He's too loud. And we get, we, right? We do. Come on. If your best friends, your, your, your closest friends are negative Nancys, negative Nellies, whatever, I don't want to mention the name of somebody here. <laughs> well, did you say he mentioned it? We get that way. I do. I get, I get that way. I'm serious, man. It's like, it's like I'm a sponge, and next thing you know, you're like, you know what? That's right. That's right. I don't, what are you negative about? I don't even know, but yes. <laughs> well, how was your coffee? Well, mine wasn't hot. Neither was mine, right? And you're all burning your face off. And we get so negative. I, I do, and I go, no, no, no. I need to think of good. What? what? Hey, let me ask you a question. When it comes to brothers and sisters in the body, do you believe the best about them or the worst about them? Or do you find things? And you go, well, I'm leaving. <laughs> yeah, me too. Because I'll tell you why. Because if I'm believing the worst about people, then my thought life needs help. Just being honest. Just being honest. So what happens? After six items, Paul changes the sentence structure and he begins the phrase with the if. Look at verse 8b. If there's anything virtue and there's anything praiseworthy, what does he say? He says, meditate on these things. We are to think logically on virtue. For you see, what will it do? It will motivate us to do better. We are to think logically if anything is praiseworthy. Praiseworthy, excuse me. If we're being honest with ourselves, we spend too much mind power on negative thoughts and they always bring us down. Things that cause us depression, things that crush our spirit. Here's what I want you to do. Take a moment to think. Take a moment to think about what you think about daily. What do you think about daily? Again, I know what you guys are thinking. See what I did there? See, the Word of God declares to you and me, joy comes from a godly thought life. Hey, is your Jesus 
everything and attractive and wonderful and scoped and blessed. I mean, is that, is that who he is to you? Like, like, you're stoked about heaven, but you're more stoked to see your Jesus, to see him face to face, to it, that, wow. Do you, do you think about him? Yes. Night and day? Do you think about him before you go to bed? Oh, this is great. This is great. Do you think about, is that the first thing that pops in your mind when you wake up in the morning? See, that's where we got to start developing. Got to take every thought. And then something comes in and it's like, mm. Mm. Now, you know what? And we just start singing, God is good. God is great. You know, we just, it's just, I like what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. He says, Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity into the obedience of Christ. Next time you have a thought, take it captive. Go, okay, what is true? Is this true? Is this noble? Is this good? And you go, nope, okay. Well, I'm not, gonna, I'm not even going to entertain that thought. I entertain that thought. Hey, listen. When it comes to you personally, somebody sings your praises and somebody doesn't like you, throw out the praises, throw out the bottom ones, and, and, and live with people who are realist right here. Oh, you're just amazing. Oh, okay. Oh, you're just, okay. You know what? I want my true friends who, who I can think of. And I'm going to take every thought, every thought, every thought. I have to. I have to. Church, listen. I'm not standing up here going, it's easy, go get them, champs. One, two, three, break. It's hard. We have to condition our mind. We have to take action steps to go, okay, I'm feeling kind of down. I'm feeling kind of weary. I'm a little bit anxious. I need to get in his Word. I need to spend time alone with God. I need to. I need to have a date with Jesus. Just me and Him for just an hour or so. I need to come back to that. I need to come back to that place. And we need to develop ears to hear what God says to us. And we go, Oh, how you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good now. I'm doing good. Yeah, devil tried to attack me. Tried to get me. Nope. Nope. You know what? You know what? Hey, think about this. If life's got you down, we're going home soon. You know, I mean, don't stress about it. We're going home soon. I'm telling you, as well as I am standing here, this war in Israel is, is, is leading us down prophetically what God is saying, and I'm telling you, it's it's... It's almost time. And I, wouldn't, I would not stand up behind this pulpit if it wasn't true, I promise you. It's almost time. It's almost time. Okay, let's close. Let's close with this. What we think about, that's what we'll do. That's what we'll do. Another way of putting it is this. You can't separate the outward action and the inward attitude. Right? Right? Man, does not our face reveal everything? I'm so happy, and your face looks like, 
It's not. I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah. What happens on the inside is going to reflect on the outside. We can't separate that. So how about this? How about we cleanse and purify our thoughts? Take those that are take those that are negative and ugly and evil, and take them captive and say, "No, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to keep my eyes on you, Lord." I'm going to think about good things. I'm not advocating the power of positive thinking. Just think it, think it, and you believe it, and if you believe it, you can achieve it. Listen, just do your best and glorify God. Glorify God. Do these things. Take control of your thought life today. Focus on these eight things. Put them into practice. Paul says, do these things. Okay, one last thought. You see what I did there? In verses 1 through 7, remember I told you, it says we have the peace of God in our lives. Do you guys remember that? And here we see the God of peace will be with us. See how they're connected? First of all, you have the peace of God as you set up that guard in your heart. Okay? And now if I'm thinking on these things, now I have the God of peace walking with me. What What a package deal, man. What a package deal. I gave you a lot to think about, but seriously, there's joy in a godly, healthy thought life as we become more obedient to Christ. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you today for your love and your mercy. And Lord, I know it's, it's a struggle. I get it, Lord, but I'm asking for the, your Holy Spirit to help me. Help me on what I think about. Help me on what I say. Help me in my attitude. Show the joy of the Lord in my eyes and in my smile. Father, I can't predict life. I can't worry about life. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Lord, I worry about things that are, that, that are, that, that are not true. Father, when I think of things, they, they create a false narrative in my life. And so, Lord, all I can ask is, is, is that, that, Lord, you would forgive me for the negative thoughts, the evil thoughts, all the stuff that is not pleasing to you. And thank you for dying on the cross so that, so that I can come. And, and, Lord, help me to learn today every thought, every thought, Every circumstance, every person I meet, help me to reflect you. Lord, with every eye closed and every head bowed, Lord, maybe there's someone here that, in the sound of my voice and even the teaching, they were thinking, Lord, they were thinking that they don't have that relationship with you. They were thinking that all the things that I was saying about, about thinking, you know, just taking every thought captive and doing these things and, and all the stuff we learned about last week, Lord, they were thinking, Lord, I, I don't even know if that pertains to me. I'm, I don't know if I have a right relationship with God. And maybe through the power of your precious Holy Spirit, you begin to knock on their hearts because, Lord, Lord without, 
without you, our names are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And so you've called us, you've called us to repent and to repent from unbelief, to really believe. And once we believe, you begin to change. That changes our life. And so with every eye closed and every head bowed, maybe there's somebody here that says, Pastor Ben, would you pray for me? I don't know. I, I'm not. Lord, just pray for me, Ben. I, I, I don't think I'm really saved. And if I were to be honest with you, Pastor Ben, I, I'm not sure that, that if the Lord Jesus called me home today or came, whatever you were saying, I don't know if I'd go. And I'm, I'm, I'm well aware of that right now, but, but I want to. I want to. If God's speaking to you today and, and maybe you're in that same position where you say, hey, you know what, Ben, I, I, I want to be saved. I want to know God for sure. I want to know God like you said. I want to think on him daily. I want to walk with him daily. If that's you, would you do me a favor? Would you just lift your hand right now? I just want to pray for you. I just want to give you an opportunity. I see you back there. God bless you. I see you. I see you over there, brother. Anyone else? Anyone else say, you know what, Pastor, pray for me. I, I want to I be right with God. That's why I'm here. I want to be right with God. I want to know that I'm saved beyond a shadow of a doubt. Not anything that I've done, but that, that what Christ has done for me. Anyone else? Just lift up your hand. I'll pray for you. Is your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Have you given your life over to Him 100%? Are you walking in Him? If not, today's the day. Why? Because God's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. And while we're in a season, he's opening up his hands to say yes. So I've, I've noticed the hands. Is there anyone else? I'm just going to give you a minute. I'm going to pray for you that lift up your hands. Father, I pray for these that lifted up their hands. I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would begin to speak. Lord, solidify in them their salvation. They don't have to raise their hand every Sunday. Lord, I know we all sin. We make mistakes. We, we think bad thoughts, Lord. We can repent of those and still be saved. But what I'm praying for is those who are not, they really don't know if they have a relationship with you. They really, really believe that they would not go to heaven if you came today. And I want to pray for that. So if you're here and you said, man, I really don't know, then, then would, you just, would you just silently in your heart, would you pray a prayer something like this? And the words alone aren't sufficient to save, so you can pray anything you want to pray. But if you really mean it and you say, I believe in God. I repent from my unbelief. I believe that Jesus Christ is fully God and fully man, died on the cross for me. I believe that. And I believe that he rose again and he is coming back for me soon. But while I'm on this earth, here's what I need. I need help, Jesus. And so I'll ask you spiritually, by faith, to come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and be my Lord, be my God, be my Savior, and be my friend. And make that declaration, I choose to follow you, Jesus, for forever I'm yours. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer, I need you to do one thing. I need you to tell somebody, 
You need to just, because you need to confess, hey, I, I, did, I did that today. I gave my life to Jesus today. And then we'll rejoice with you, we'll walk with you, and we'll have just a great time walking and discipling you. So God bless you guys. Let me pray a blessing over you. And then Nick's going to finish out with a worship song. And we're just thank you. So let's stand. And as we pray a blessing, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and give you peace and a hope. We love you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.